Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littmer, and I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. I'd like to turn our attention to the Gospel according to John, perhaps the most unique of the four Gospels. It has been called the most amazing book ever written. One writer said that the Gospel of John can be read and loved without any commentary at all. Still another wrote, the picture of Christ here given is the one that has captured the mind and heart of mankind. The Gospel was written by John, a member of the Lord's most intimate circle, who seemed to be with Jesus almost constantly for three years. He was with the Lord on the mountain when he was transfigured with Moses and Elijah. He stood on Golgotha when Jesus died. To him, Jesus entrusted the care of his mother. He was preeminently qualified. John would later write in his first epistle these words found in 1 John chapter 1, verses 1-3. through 3. He wrote, That which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us, And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. This Gospel of John begins with incredible words. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the same chapter, down in chapter 1, verse 14, he tells us a wondrous truth about that Word. He wrote, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Very near the end of his gospel, we find these words in John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. Now, in the midst of these kinds of transcendent statements, is found a short story about Jesus washing the feet of the apostles. It is a very simple account, and yet it is one of the most absorbing and revealing accounts of Jesus' life. It teaches us immense lessons about what being a Christian is all about. 
in all of the Gospels records taken together, there is a great deal of material about how, what Jesus did and how he acted in different situations. And there are accounts that suggest the grandeur of his mission, the power of his miracles, and the force of his message. But in none of those accounts is there a greater portrayal of who and what he was than in this simple moving scene. So we're going now to John chapter 13 and read verses 1 and 3. It tells us, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he was from God, and went to God. It is the time of the Passover, an event the significance of which would only truly be realized the following day in the Lord's death. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7 exhorted the Corinthians to purge out therefore the old leaven, that you may be a new lump as you are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Time is running out and Jesus knows it. He is taking every opportunity to teach his apostles the nature of his kingdom and how they relate to it. Jesus was going to do several things on this night that would not be understood by those present until later, but they were all vital things to understanding the very substance and order of the new kingdom. This particular Thursday night was a night of preparation. And so we we read now verses 4 and 5 of John 13. He rises from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. As the evening progressed, Jesus, the Son of God, took a towel, wrapped it around himself, bent down, and began to wash the feet of his apostles. The Jewish tradition was that a person would wash himself before a feast so that only his feet would need to be washed at his arrival. Jesus, no doubt in response to the tradition, took upon himself the function of the lowest household slave who was usually assigned this duty. He wrapped himself in the garment of a slave. The Creator washes the feet of his creation. In John 1, verse 3, we are told, All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. What an incredible contrast. Jesus was God, and yet he lowered himself to wash the dust of the road off the feet of his disciples. My friends, this kind of submission was not only to be the motive for Jesus coming to the cross, it is the message of the kingdom. Jesus said, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. In Matthew chapter 20, verses 27 through 28, the Lord said, And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. This is what it is all about. 
This is the essence of what it means to be a Christian. And I would be remiss if I did not once again refer to Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 12. Paul wrote these words, Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God has also highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. How is salvation going to be brought to its conclusion? Only by each of us following the example of Jesus and recognizing the greatness of the task. There can be no selfish motives. And so we look now at verses 6 through 11 of John 13. It says, Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do now thou knowest not, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus saith to him, He that is washed needeth not to save, his, save to wash his feet but is clean every whit, and ye are clean, but not all. For he knew who should betray him, therefore he said ye are not all clean. Peter's reaction is understandable, and I believe a sincere expression of his humility. It may very well have been that the unstated reaction of all of the apostles. And why not? This is the teacher, this is their Lord. He washes the feet of his servants, how can this be? I believe that the washing of the disciples' feet is in a way symbolic of the death of Jesus on the cross, which is the greatest act of submission and humility ever known, and one that will never and can never be duplicated. It is through and because of that great act that John would one day say, the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanses us from all sin. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 7. To cleanse is why Jesus came. Now we go back to John chapter 13 and read verses 12 through 17. It tells us, So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you? You call me Master and Lord, and you say well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example 
that you should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. Let me attempt to paraphrase this. Jesus said, Do you know what I have done to you? Well, let me tell you. You refer to me with titles Master and Lord, and well you might, for I certainly am. Now if I, your Lord and Master, wash your feet, should you not also likewise watch each other's feet? Then Jesus gives them the divine paradox. The master becomes the servant and the servant becomes the served. What submission, what humility, his lessons rings out across the centuries. If I then, your Lord and master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. Jesus was not instituting a sacramental or ceremonial foot washing for his church. There is not a single record of it having been observed as such in the early church, nor is there any sort of inference that Jesus was seeking to require it for all time. What it actually was was an effort by the Lord to show that self-denial is the basis of all discipleship. Actually, the example here is not the example of foot washing, but what the foot washing meant, humility among the saints, service instead of being served, putting others before themselves. It was just what was needed to answer the prideful ambitions of the apostles and to bring them to an understanding of the true nature of his coming kingdom. You know what? This story is as applicable today and as relevant today as it was on that Passover evening. We need, as we bring this particular episode to a close, to carefully notice the Lord's application. First, you ought also to do as I have done to you. To be pleasing to God, the follower of Jesus, must constantly put himself at the disposal of others, be willing to make himself theirs, even when it is not convenient or when it is uncomfortable, and to do such without grumbling. If a Christian thinks that he or she is unworthy of some lowly task, that they are above it, then they are elevating above the Lord himself because he wore the servant's towel. He engaged in the servant's work. He had the attitude of humility. Secondly, we find, I have given you an example. I have washed your feet. You ought also to wash one another's feet. Examples like these help to clarify principles. Principles like love your neighbor as yourself. The more clearly the example shows the principle in action, the more clearly it focuses our obligation. Jesus' example could not be clearer. And thirdly, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. The implication of that is that faith without works is dead. It is an easy matter to read and appreciate these sayings of Jesus. It is another matter altogether to do them. Every disciple knows about the Lord washing the feet of his disciples, but we all need to be aware of what with the, of, of knowing without doing of agreeing without getting involved, even being impressed without participating. It really is all about the other persons. Incredible lessons learned 
from the Gospel according to John. Thanks for listening.